0: Thank you.
1: A lot of problems, but uh, uh, defining yourself as a problem is problematic.
0: I'm just gonna say I'm not X. I was a little manic when I was doing this yesterday. A little manic, yeah. (laughs) You? I've been working on this. I actually put a lot of work into this. I don't know why. uh, I was really well. That's it. Makes a
1: difference. People notice when work is put into something. Well, this is a topic that I feel
0: struggling about, like a lot of people. What topic? Sponsorship.
1: Oh, that topic. Yeah. Today's topic.
0: Today, so my cat, I was trying to, we're, we're doing this early, and I'm about to, I'm running out of the house, mm. and um, I noticed on the bed, there's a little circle of wet, mm. and that can only mean one of three things, or, or one thing, because I only have a cat, but the other things would be horrible if they happened. but, so, cat piss on my bed, just before I'm running out the door, and my wife wasn't feeling great. She had a procedure this week. Do you have a mattress pad? Uh, I mean, we do. We have a rubber. It's like a... Um, like a wee-wee It's like a wee-wee pad. It's, we have a Tempur-Pedic that I bought 17 years ago, and it came with that. And um, Have you ever washed it? The, the, yeah, we're washing it this morning because <laughs> we well, got pissed on. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've washed it before this has happened. So that's why I'm a little amongst other reasons. Did you
1: hear <clears throat> that uh, vets are treating way more cats for depression? Lately, treating they are. (laughs) Do you know why? No, because apparently the cats are upset that humans are are home all the time. (laughs) It's the opposite of dogs who are who will be very depressed when we leave. Cats could give a shit. They would prefer if we're not around well, for most of
0: the day. That just proves my theory. I've always said that like cats are basically like teenagers, you know. They're only nice to you when they want something. If yeah, then. Yeah. And then they'll bite you immediately after. It's, it's it's very it's an interesting coincidence because our dog
1: who I think of as a cat because it's small and it doesn't do many doggy things. It's cute, um, although he hates me. Not not the not the pug. The other one. They both hate me. They both hate everybody. They just scream yeah. at you. Uh, when you she walk in. she sleeps with us in the bed and nah. she barfed all. Uh, <laughs> like I woke up and it it's that Sally. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, like, what the hell is that? Yeah, right. Yeah, it
0: gets. So uh, we also
1: had to wash our mattress pad. This don't you
0: week. have something to do after the show? Uh, <laughs> we should get going. And. Okay. We're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. And I'm, I'm not sure who I am this week. Who are week. you today? I'm, uh, I'm Mike. And boy... Today. Do we have a show for you today on RMA. We celebrate Mike's second soberversary. Kids, Oops. <laughs> kids and parents alike prepare for back to school like the coming of the Mashiach. And we discuss <laughs> sponsorship in recovery and how it has evolved over time today on a very special edition of RMA. Hey, hey, welcome. You're, you don't practice Judaism, do Meshiach. I just uh, no, I'm very out of practice, but I was raised a little bit with it. I had. Did you get your bar mitzvah? I did not. I was not bar mitzvahed. Um, my mother turned me over to my uh, Presbyterian father. Uh, <laughs> Yikes! For uh, and then she to instill
1: guilt. She, well, wait, you know Jew, Jews are very good at yeah,
0: instilling guilt too. You know what? I was thinking about this one time because when we were talking about my mother-in-law who's Polish and she does the guilt thing, and my mother who's Jewish, wow. she does the guilt thing. You've just been guilty your whole life. Ray Romano on the on the show. Everybody loves sarcasm his mother guilts him and he's Catholic. And I'm right. like, maybe that's just a mother thing. It's sort of like, I think it's just all yeah. mothers guilt their children. It's period. like, it's like every occupation has drinking
1: in it. Right. Like all right. oh, lawyers drink a yeah, lot. Yeah. Irish. Uh, they're so drunk right, all the yeah, time, right.
0: <laughs> you know, and they are. So. Anywho, I know a lot of, before
1: Irish. we get started, um, I guess we'd like to thank everybody who sent in a Your Story to win an Audible credit for one of Joseph Naus's books. That yeah. was our contest that we announced last week. We received an overwhelming amount of entries. Thank you so um, much.
0: I was like, oh my God, people are paying attention and really want Joseph Naus's book. Yeah, but we only have five codes. So uh, do you want to announce the winning monksters? Uh Yeah, the winning mongsters are... Okay, Robert M., who we're reading today. Okay. Jeremy J., mm. uh, Marion C., Ezra Kay and Haley M. Now, all right, yes. thanks guys. Um, Wait, can I hit the right button? Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. I just want to say that everybody really did a great job writing their story, um, Haley. M, I I would just like to ask you to please elaborate on your little snippet because I know we didn't like specify how long it had to be. Yeah. So she sort of alluded to a really interesting story and then just cut it off. Right. So, Haley, I would give really, us something to work with. I want to hear more. This is like, it was pretty enticing. I You guys are producing content for yeah. the show. She, so. she gave me like a headline basically, and it sounded interesting. So, but you did get in there, your top five. And so, Mike is going to sort it all out. <laughs> that's his job. Well, I have the codes. Yeah, he's so the I'll one that's best friends with Joseph. No, uh-huh. Not
1: me. The problem is here's the problem, and I don't know how to how to resolve this issue. So I'm just going to throw it out there for the audience uh, to consideration. I have, <laughs> I actually had four codes, but I will I will send an audible credit of my own. <laughs> yeah, we can get, so, uh, to, like- to make up. But what I had was two for the first book
0: and two for the second book. Oh, so, so they don't get to somebody's going to have to one. start on the, on the second book rather than the first, About but the fifth one, we can get them in the uh, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> I don't know. It's our first contest and, uh, but we, we liked it and it got people involved and, did. you know, we've got all these great new shirts. I'm wearing one of them right now and, uh, the web store is working. Um, yeah, but you have to go to the web site, right? The website. I'm um, I'm still working out, jumping through hoops on the, which f- is the middle
1: ages com. MiddleAgesRecovery.com. If
0: if you're on your iPhone or Android, you got to look for a little, uh, on the right side of your screen, there'll be a little shopping cart. Um, And that's when you first open. Otherwise, you have to scroll down and then you'll see our products. We also have our kick-ass new sticker. Yeah. Um, It is five bucks. It's, what is it, like a three-inch diameter Yes, it's a nice, uh, nice vinyl uh, sticker. It we'll,
1: yeah. uh, should be weatherproof. Will uh, if you want to put it on it's your really nice. car or your laptop or something, it would be a good spot. And if
0: for you it. just want to order a sticker, that's that's with the shipping, we send it first class mail. The shirts we're going to do uh, USPS priority, and that'll get to you within three days. Yeah, that's
1: been fun bucks. trying to figure out the mail yeah. uh, thing. I, I had one returned, and it got sent out again, and I I had to go to the, I went to the post office. <laughs> Like an idiot, and harangue the guy at the desk to tell me everything there is to know about shipping.
0: <laughs> tell me everything. Which,
1: he was a very patient
0: man. Uh, yeah. uh, in the I, think, I think I got that ironed out. You went to the historic uh, post office?
1: Yeah. It's a great post office. Teddy. It's like, um, it hasn't changed. Like most other things in this town, it hasn't changed since the 1920s. Um, so, in any event, please visit us at middleagesrecovery.com where you can listen to the show buy through stuff. a link, buy our stuff, and tell us your story. Uh, we're also on all the. Uh, the usual podcast apps. Um, you can get our latest news and up <laughs> the latest news, the latest news updates and meet other RMA mongsters on our private unsearchable Facebook group, easily found by searching recovery in the middle ages on Facebook search or find the link conveniently, conveniently. on middle Will
0: great reviews be read right on the air. Indeed they will right. uh, log on
1: to your favorite podcast app. Obviously Apple podcasts is best for, um, what do you call those, statistical purposes, right? Yes. And because, uh, you know, those things rate, man, and then we get higher yeah. up in the listings Five the more stars. reviews we get. Do, did you throw we did. that right, latest
0: one in? Yeah, I thought we would do the story and okay. the review after we read okay. the I'm sorry tease. for not
1: reading the outline. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a, I'm a very negligence should podcast. they tell us their story mike yeah tell us the story tell us your story by logging into middle ages recovery.com some of you sent them in through the facebook group and Which that's okay. fine you know but I just uh, keep
0: it nice and organized because i have a folder in my email and I'm, uh, help nat's organizational deficiencies I by help. sending it
1: <laughs> i'm not organized i'm just trying to be um yeah five stars we would appreciate uh we did that already okay the best way of course to help the show how is it what are they supposed to do they're supposed to share it share with a friend. It. Share it with a friend. You know, sharing is big in recovery, right? Sharing so is So sh-
0: Share your experience, strength, and podcasts with uh, with your friends. Yeah, we appreciate it. So, um, uh, we actually have uh, a new year story. This actually, Gentleman Robert M is one of the uh, winners
1: of the, the Joseph Nows contest. I like how you call it the Straight Pepper Diet Joseph Nows Tell Us Your Story
0: contest. <laughs> <laughs> It's marketing. That's great. I got to, you know, say it all. Yeah. So here it is Robert M. This is a long one, so sit down and get comfortable. Maybe get yourself a drink. Get a Non-alcoholic drink. <laughs> October 27th, 2020, I found myself sitting in a crack house with no money, no morals, and one last TV to sell. That I
1: remember a, that. <laughs> it's the best opening to a, a great story. great opening
0: line. We should um, just end it right there. I mean, I had a, Wait, a it gets similar better, story to that. But it gets better. Yeah. I was held at gunpoint for that TV, pistol whipped, and thrown out of the crack house. You know what the worst part of that is? What's that? You don't, you don't get the crack. The no.
1: pistol whipping is okay. The TV lost, you but, could you, have but the, you don't get any
0: crack. That's the worst. That's the worst. <laughs> no money and minus one nice TV. I had asked my favorite dope man, you know, the one that'll still front you, even though you owe him a large sum of money. I had one of those. Mm-hmm. So I got a bag of Fetty. That's fentanyl. And I was wondering what that was. Cause you know, there's, what's a Fetty Wap? Is that a person? Fet, oh, Fetty Wap. Yeah. It's like um a hairy vagina or something. A Fetty Wap. It's a, it's you like just a, made that up. No, it's a, it's, it's a British uh, terminology. Somebody look up Fetty Wap. I'm pretty sure it means a, a hairy vagina. Because um, I did look it up. I saw it on a post, and, I, and that's what Urban I Dictionary says. I think it's says. like a person. There's a, a Fetty v- Wap, isn't there? F- yeah, it's like a... With a you no, know. but like it's a, like a rap star or something. Anyway, uh, I have to look it up. Um, So I I got a big bag of Fetty and proceeded to walk my happy ass four miles back to the nice side of the city. I found myself alone. I called my mother and asked her to come sit with me because I knew what I was about to do may kill me, which I wouldn't have minded because I didn't want to live. But my high powered, my higher power wouldn't let me die. Uh, So I proceeded to do my thing. Uh, instantly, I OD'd, but no big deal, right? Wrong. This one almost killed me, kind of like mine. Uh, after seven, seven Narcans. That's wow. a lot of Narcans. They had, that's, thank God they had it. Uh, my mother put... <laughs> a, How do you have seven Narcans? I guess if
1: you're doing large bags of Fetty. Well, <laughs>
0: it's probably the... Um, you have Narcans. First responders, yeah. probably. Oh, my uh, yeah, my mother put a blanket over my body, kissed my forehead, and walked away. That's a nice mother. Uh, it was over... <laughs> yeah, you gotta know when to <laughs> throw on the cards, I guess. It was bag. over. She thought she uh it was over, she thought, all then, all the pain, misery, and suffering was done, wrong. God said, you need to man the fuck up and go out, clean your ass up, and get some help, and do my bidding. This See, is- I read that ear- earlier as clean your ass up and get some help, <laughs> so maybe clean your ass anyway, go ahead. Um, so by the grace of God, I came too. I was beat, broken, and hopeless with no dope, no money. And some FIA health insurance, uh, which means very good health insurance, um, which I was about to put you to the all test. all the vernacular. Yes, I do. <laughs> I called the little number on the back of my insurance card, and after searching and almost losing hope, a program uh, on LA, California, oh, a program in LA, California called me and said that to come to them. We can help you, they said. So I got on a plane, and I didn't know what was in store. After finally diving into a fellowship, working through some real pain and trauma, and just surrendering to the fact that I can't get high like a gentleman. <laughs> I've said this before. It, yeah. The idea of like, I, you I was like, think about wearing a smoking jacket in front right. of a roaring fire, holding a snifter of, you know, scotch crack. or crayon. <laughs> That's correct. I have found a better life, a beautiful one, real friends, a killer job. Um, Uh, It must be a hitman. And relationships beyond my wildest dreams. God willing, on October 27th, I will have one year. Yay. Yay. Uh, Recovery has blessed me with a life I thought I didn't deserve. And today... I know that I never have to be that crackhead, alone and broken, as long as I do what I need to stay sober. Right on, man. Sorry we butchered that, but that was a gr- uh, great story, and there's a lot of stuff we could talk about just in that story alone. Oh, yeah. um, you know, you talk about God a lot and your higher power kind of saving you, and, you know, that's, um, a lot of people have that story, and thank God it wasn't your time to go, buddy, and um, we're so glad to have you listening. Right on. So that's Robert M., and uh, stand by for your, uh, your code. Yeah, I would just like to say that uh, a Fetty Wap
1: is um, is Willie Jr. Maxwell II, better known by his stage name Fetty Wap, is an American rapper, singer, and songwriter who rose to prominence after his debut single, Trap Queen, reached number two on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 in May 2015.
0: Can you Google Fetty Wap? I did. What is Fetty Wap? That's O-W-O-P? Yeah, because that's what I I found. Fetty Wap. I'm looking it up. Because that's what I- Why would Fetty Wap- Name himself after a hairy vagina then. I don't know. What is a Fetty Wap? In any case. All right. You guys know what a real Fetty Wap is. I think he's the real Fetty Wap. Mm. All right. Do we have, and then we also
1: have a review. We got a new review uh, by Marion1030. Yep. Came on Monday. It's a five star. Amazing. It says. Just what I needed to break out of my rut in recovery. Love the humor and variety they propose. <laughs> keep, keep carrying the message, y'all. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. We, we do propose that you enjoy our humor. We, <laughs> I don't know if
0: everybody does, but thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. And um, we've got a very exciting um, life update today. Uh, today, um, we are celebrating Mike's second sober anniversary.
1: Yay. Oh, wait. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. It happened a few days ago, so it's like a little anticlimactic at this point.
0: Well, I wanted to say congratulations and thanks to everybody who congratulated Mike on the Facebook, the private Facebook group. Um, Yeah, thanks, guys. It's Uh, cool. Meant a lot
1: to me. Um, So, speech. Okay. Say something. So, two years. I had mentioned this on the Facebook group as well. That like it seemed like the first year. Uh, when I quit drinking, was all about learning how to stay sober. Right? Oh, he's getting, standing up, folks. He's standing up. Right. I, well, it's my back. It's my middle-aged back. <laughs> he's getting um, very serious. <laughs> I feel like I should be handed a plaque or something. I didn't get you a coin. You I was thinking about it. Not yet. I'm Aaron was it. all like, oh, I should," because I, I said, you know, on the West Coast, they get cakes. I'm i I like, should place. I have got you a cake? And I'm like, no, I don't want a cake. Uh, but we did go out for frozen yogurt. There you go. So that was something. Like I poured sugar onto my liver to celebrate, you know. (laughs) Um, But the first year is the first year, the year of firsts. First Christmas, first 4th of July barbecue, first, 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 not drinking, right? Yeah. So navigating through that can be a bit of a mind But you did it. But you did it. And it was before that first year that you and I sat down and decided to do this podcast. Do you know that? It was right before that. Since we just scheduled, since we just celebrated our 50th. You just got your first year. No, we we started the podcast before I had the first year. Oh, that's right. By like a couple of weeks. Right, right, right. So once the year of first was over, then it became the year of seconds. But the year of seconds is more like, what's going on inside my head now? Like, how can I become the best... Most authentic self
0: that I could be. Yeah. Once you shed the daily craving and reprogram right. yourself to not reach for a right. drink every time, then what do you do? How do you improve yourself? How do you improve yourself? I've spent the year on a journey of self
1: discovery with with you, Nat. Mostly. Yes, we and, did a lot of self discovery here. We did, um, and it was it's through this podcast, which really comprises the bulk of my program, um, you know that I that I found a lot of, uh, of strength and and the ability to to stay off. Uh, Stay off whatever, you know, drinking drugs and what have you. Yeah. Um, but, but I will, I do have to say something. You, i had actually forgotten it was the day and you were like, hey, isn't today your two year anniversary? And I said, uh, yeah, I guess it is. I looked at my, my recovery elevator counter and there it was. And you were like, I can't believe you did it without a program. It was a little sarcastic. Oh, was it? Yeah. I, I like, thought you were serious. How did you do it without okay. AA? Oh, okay. I thought you were serious because I got a little annoyed. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you have to assume I'm being sarcastic. I was, like, uh, I was like, I mean, to me, it's sort of like... I wonder how people do it with with
0: programs, right? Well, but um, that's this podcast, right? Where you're showing that. Listen, you got two years, and right. you didn't, you know, take to prescribe like what a judge might have handed you in drug okay, court. Okay, now
1: it all makes sense yes. to me because I was like, you had the, a whole the, thing,
0: the, the, the retort prepared. The, for that. I did.
1: I was like, <laughs> the very thing that we do on this podcast is. Um, is to tell people that there are, you know, yes. many different paths up
0: the mountain. You so, know? yeah, I was going to, like, sarcastically say to you, how <laughs> did you do it without AA, Mark? <laughs> Mark? <Hey>, Mike?" <Mark. laughs> <laughs>
1: Which brings me to the other thing we should be talking about. But yeah. I don't know, you, you put it down a little bit in the outline, but I don't know, maybe we should get at it now.
0: Yeah, so um, so congratulations, I'd just like to say. Thank you, and, and, um,
1: and I couldn't have done it without you and without all the good people out there in podcast land. Thanks. Actually, maybe I could have, because, <laughs> well, because I was thinking about this. Like I had, I had gotten almost the better part of a year before you and I even sat down and talked to one another. Mm. So I started thinking, like, how on earth did I do that? Right. You know what I did? I I was think I Can did a lot re- of research it- to start a podcast like 6 months before we met right. and like to me that was like the way that I was going to go about keeping in touch with recovery. Yeah, you guys you know?
0: might not know this but Mike had a couple of episodes for mm. You had more than a couple? No, it was just it was one and oh, it was, and it was like a pilot. And that and I, was the one that you sent me. Yeah, I never And That's released when the- I said, "Wow, this sounds really good. That's yeah. probably like, ah, this is we we could actually do something. It didn't sound like shit." Yeah, it was good. Um, So one thing that's really exciting that just happened, we we talked about this um, a few months ago, Um, Annie Grace, the author of This Naked Mind, uh, which we did three episodes on. And it was also the the book and the program, if
1: you will, that I used to... Achieve and maintain my sobriety initially.
0: So, uh, it's a very big community that this naked mind has. She has a podcast, a book. She has a recovery program where she people get trained in it and then help other people. It's a big movement globally, uh, and. Mike got to be uh, on her podcast. It's called This Naked Life, I believe. Or no, no, no. That's the uh, that's the uh, newsletter. But uh, the This Naked Mind podcast, um, and you can hear Mike's story. And we plug the show this a little week.
1: Bit. Yeah, it's on this week. It's, I recorded it back in February, but it just went live. Yeah, which was a happy coincidence that it it dropped on the week of my second soberversary. Yes, I hate that word.
0: So it might be a little confusing. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, because it says, um, this naked mind story with uh, Mark R. Right. And um, and we were talking about how, boy, that's sort of incongru- incongruous uh, with our podcast. So, I thought maybe you might want to address that.
1: Well... I've been, and I've been thinking about how to address it. I remember back in the first or second episode when we were discussing the concept of anonymity and recovery podcasts and recovery movements, I mentioned that Mike uh, R was not, in fact, my birth name, uh, and that way I was going to use it as a bit of a pseudonym. So um, the folks over at This Naked Mind... Uh, <laughs> Didn't get the memo. Yeah. So... You know, Mark R, Mike R, which one's the real me? You know, I'll leave it for you guys to figure All out. Right. But moving uh,
0: forward, we're going to stick with his uh, with the pseudonym, and, and it's just the way we started the show, and um, we'll move forward. But don't be confused, that's, that's us, and um, go listen to it. It should be pretty good. You get a, a lot of uh, Mike's story that I was listening to it, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. That was interesting. So, yeah, I'm not going to listen to it, because it was, I mean, honestly. You're not?
1: I, I kind of went through the emotional ringer delivering it. Because, you know, unlike a lot of guys in AA or other 12-step recovery groups who are used to like yeah. trotting out a version of their story, like yeah, every don't time, have that. I don't do that. So that, that was really the first time, time—I probably the first time since I was in AA in 1993 yeah. that I had to, so, yeah. and a lot has happened since then, that I had to actually sit down for 45 minutes and talk
0: so that my history. That says a lot about you though. I mean, I can come on here and just be you know, brutally honest about all of the dark things in my past because I'm practiced at it. <laughs> I, I mean, this is the whole thing you learn to do Yeah, uh, that I learned to do is to just, you know, without hesitation, say the worst thing you've ever done. And it's like you get used to it mm-hmm. and you see how cathartic it is. And, you know, the, the thing that was crazy for me after the first like year of AA, like doing it seriously, I found it hard for me to stop myself from talking that way to everyone. Just
1: like, you Just know, anybody. when you go into like the, the, the grocery store, you tell the clerk, like, yeah. Hey, you know, a couple months hey, what's ago, your name, buddy? Oh, out on the floor. My
0: name's Nat. I'm an alcoholic, yeah. you know?
1: Um, <laughs> well, you know, there's always that joke about how you introduce yourself in business meetings. If you go to too many AA meetings, you know, <laughs> like, I am Mike, I'm an alcoholic. um, So, you know, this Naked Mind podcast, you can find that story this week. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just look them up. You know, they're everywhere. Um, I believe since we did the call over Zoom, and that was a trip, man, like talking to Annie Grace, like one-on-one on the Zoom. uh, I believe she releases the video. Oh, there's a video? (laughs) Yeah, there's a (laughs) video also. I don't know where to find that, you know, but nor am I going to go looking for it. But, uh, yeah, so that was that was kind of intense, uh, but now it's out there in the world, and I remember feeling how cathartic it was to actually tell the story when it was recorded, so um for any of the of you looking for fill in some gaps in your knowledge of of me hmm. uh have at it
0: uh yeah you know. um did you uh did you have a drink to celebrate your two years <laughs> yeah i did but uh, it was a uh, kombucha that was uh one of those things we talked about a little bit when uh, when you had your your the day and then uh i began to think about um i used to do that man like i would get 30 days and then i'd be like okay celebrate and i right. did that for you know years early on cuz your brain was wired celebrate right. alcohol celebrate alcohol or drugs right? i would or do drugs, both yeah. you know I'd get the the alcohol to loosen my decision making uh, filter and right. call my guy and never, um, i never smoked crack without alcohol one time first. i got 8 months uh, this is early on i got 8 months and then i was like drinking again and hmm. I, I was celebrating and i really convinced myself that this was the appropriate <laughs> thing to do
1: Well, you know, when you sent me that text, uh, the the first thought in my mind was, "Yeah, wow, it's been two years." And then I'm like, "I should have a beer to celebrate." So, so those neural networks are still there, you know, but they they don't pack the punch that they used to. You don't get the the dopamine hit, you know, that you that you did, you know, a couple I would have a couple of years ago. And so it's easy to sort of watch it, you know, the the desire rise and then fade away.
0: You know, it's funny. I was just talking uh, the great Scott Wick was, um, uh, or Scott W. That's not even his last name, but, uh, he, he's, uh, he's a fan. He's on our, um, he's a good friend of mine from, uh, the Dopey Nation. And in any case, he was just kind of chatting me up and, uh, and he brought up an interesting point about, um, he was asking me if I knew it was fentanyl when uh when I bought, when I went to go get the dope. Right. But um the conversation that, that, and I said, no, I didn't, you know, because some people do seek fentanyl, and that's an interesting new evolution of this drug problem, that there are people who, you know, get their tolerance high enough so that they can use fentanyl. And then like a friend I have Ugh. from rehab, uh, I keep in touch with once in a while, when I was talking to him again about, hey, you got to get on this methadone or you got to do... He was saying that traditional methadone did not work for his fentanyl uh, withdrawal, which I don't know if that's bullshit and it's Mm. just his excuse for not doing it or if that's true. (laughs) Well, What what came up was I started to talk about what led up to my uh, OD and uh, and how I just realized that, like, uh, drinking is always, for me, the first thing that happens. And so I approach my recovery today... Like I defend against a drink uh, in the same way that I treat that like that drink is a fentanyl overdose. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's I, good, I have that's to a good make, way to look at it. And I've been trying to put that together for years. I've been told that in, in therapy and in, uh, groups. And I finally, I think that that's like how I'm doing it. The way, the way I didn't touch a drink is when I see that drink, I think of a fentanyl overdose. Wow um that's that's, good i'm sure that's
1: more effective because you know it's easy to go like oh it's just a beer you know but if you if you follow if you play that tape forward to the end
0: but you have to do it fast before your inner addict convinces you out of it that's right um i just wanted to mention uh we lost a few people to od in Mm. the last week or two um i'm not really gonna name names because um I don't know these people that well. And one was a very close friend of my wife's, a childhood friend. I've known mm. her for years. She sort of fell off the map, um, kind of descending into her life of addiction and um, mental illness and uh, regular illness. And it was just a real sad decline. And she finally passed away at the age of 40, I think, 8. Geez, that's so um, young. And she was a sweetheart. And it was, you know, just one of these things where it was just a, it, it didn't, she didn't <laughs> have the one. OD and die 20 years ago, she continued to go somehow and just right. things just got worse and worse. And, uh, my wife used to tell me like, man, you should have met her when we were kids. It's a completely different person. Yeah, sure. And even when I met her 15 years ago and I'm like, Oh, she's interesting, you know, nice girl. And she's like, you don't know, understand. Like she was, this is a completely different person than we used to know. And, uh, was it opiates? Uh... it was like one of those, um, they didn't release what happened. It was mm. one of those things. Where we're all like, we you know, you yeah, um, it was alcohol, like everything. And on top of it, she had, you know, related to that, some injuries, mm-hmm. physical injuries. And then this mental illness was getting worse and like she couldn't wear. It was just That's a shame. It That's was really terrible. bad. And uh, it sucks. And on top of that, my wife's, one of my wife's best friends, like ex fiance, who I got to know pretty well, super nice guy. And they ended up breaking up. Uh, and not and not moving forward um, with their relationship because he couldn't stay sober and it was just getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Turns out, you know, and she's moved on. This is uh, and, and he passed away from a drug release. And then Sergeant Slaughter reported that he had a couple of friends this last week, like two. Wow, both. Um, drug related. So, you know, how's he doing? Haven't heard much of it. He's his. doing good. You know, he's rocking his summer. He's, uh, he's having a good time. I haven't seen him as much. Hey, if you're listening, uh, Sergeant Slaughter,
1: I had a weird experience today, a hummingbird in the backyard today, apropos of nothing. I, I haven't seen a hummingbird in my yard on Long Island, this part of Long Island huh. for, you know, the 53 years I've been alive. I'm sitting out in the back, having a cup of coffee and it just flew, hovered for a minute, looked at me and Aaron and then flew away. So that's interesting. I think okay. I'm going to put out a feeder. Yeah, anyway, a, I suppose I could have guy. just sent you an email yeah, <laughs> rather email. than do it on the podcast, but
0: it was pretty wild. I know he's a bird guy. So yeah. So um, one more thing I wanted to say before we uh, get everybody depressed. I just want <laughs> us to all Sorry. remember. I want us to all remember that as we're laughing along with all this stuff, uh, that when it comes down to it, this is life or death. Uh, and I know that, and you know, anybody who's been alive long enough, uh, (laughs) we're all affected by this and we take this disease very seriously, even though we joke around. And if you're in trouble, you feel like you need help, please reach out someone in your life. It could be anyone. They don't have to be in recovery. Um, just reach out and say what's going on. I mean, that's, that's when I started to get better. It didn't. Fix me overnight, but it started the process. Uh, even on our private group, just to reach out. There's lots of people on our private group that are great. If you just say, help me, you'll have someone to talk to. Um, and maybe we can help or just be there to listen. So, um, right. And in um, any case. And
1: something for you folks who are at the upper range of our middle age group to consider. Uh, the body is not as forgiving now as it was when you were in your 20s and 30s. Yeah, so, It's true. Um, you know, the, I, I read a story this week of someone who um, who died of uh, alcoholic liver disease in their fifties. Left the whole family. Wow! Uh, and this was not somebody that drank a lot. This was somebody who had a couple drinks a day, just every day for his entire adult life. Yeah, and that'll that's do it. it. Check you out in, the, in your fifties. I mean, it
0: ain't good. And on top of it, the whole time you're going along, you're feeling like shit every day, right? Um,
1: and then one day you that? you think you're not, you know, you think you might you're not overindulging, but you. You know, you the do. body is, the body just can't handle ethanol being poured into it every day. No. Um, uh, so, so what else happened? This time of year is just <laughs> fucked, isn't yeah, it? it? I is. hate this time of back year. Back to school. The back to school time. If you have kids, uh, like of school age is just a fucking mess. And you know, it's worse for, um, for us. <laughs> oh, really? You want to be careful with what you're about to say? <laughs> Not, uh, I don't mean you and me, I mean our families, ah, let's say that, yeah. um, because our, our wives are in education and yeah. and, and, bec- and they are extremely stressed out this time of year because, you know, they work extremely hard. They and, do. Uh, harder. you know, everybody's always picking on the teachers, ragging on the yeah, teachers. they make too and, much you know, money, they're liberals. Yeah. They're, Meanwhile, you know, the amount of uh, work that they put in that they don't get paid for is just, uh, it's,
0: it's ridiculous. Yeah, you know? teaching is not a nine to five, you come home and it's over. I mean, yeah. some older tenured teachers, like my brother... Uh, is like that. But you know, he, he just doesn't care and he's in a liberal district, but out here, Mm. uh, it is very serious business. And I see my wife working like a dog all year round. But that stress, you know, comes, you know, it's
1: obviously you can't help
0: bringing work stress home. It's just the thing. So now they're, they're preparing to get, it's, it's this moment in the summer where the kids don't, don't have camp or anything else. And, uh, and then the teachers have to start going back to work a little early to prepare their classrooms. Mm-hmm. And I'm working two jobs now. That's right. You're and, a uh, busy man. You and, and so, um, yeah, it's very stressful. It's very stressful. And, and and Jack is starting a new school. Yeah. Let's top it off. My
1: son, uh, is. he got into the school that I went to high school in. It's sort of like a Catholic... Um, I don't know, prep school, if you will. Did the
0: nuns wrap the child's knuckles with a ruler?
1: <laughs> there are no nuns because it is an all-boys school. They don't have nuns in an all-boys? Not in this one. They're, they have brothers. Interesting. That's a little creepy. Catholic brothers. Um, but, you know, Jack is is a pretty freewheeling kid, and he's he's very smart. Uh, I don't mean to brag, but he is. Um and it's a big change for him. He's going from a public school environment where you can basically roll out of class, you know, and wear tattered sackcloth right. if you want to go to school. And now he's got to wear a shirt and a tie and yeah. a pants and all this other stuff. And uh, yeah, so he's it's it's I I'm trying to convey to him that like this school is not a punishment, for, <laughs> you know that that the reason he's going there is because he is smarter, right? And like this is like a Um, should be considered a feather in his cap. But I think he's having a little trouble seeing it this way when all his other friends are going back to... Right. I can imagine it's difficult. And uh, what grade is he going into? Ninth? He's going into ninth. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he had to get a haircut yesterday. I I, I told, you know, I kind of chickened out. I was like... He likes to get his hair cut. Um, he hates barbers because they always cut it too short. He's mm-hmm. kept his hair really long, but yeah. you have to have it over your collar right. in this school. So uh, I was like, Aaron, why don't you make him a uh, <laughs> appointment with the your hairdresser or whatever? Yeah. So she took took him over there, and then uh, you know I was out with Ben at the the beach uh, yesterday, um, and uh, she texted me like he hates his haircut. He says he, he feels like he's going to a concentration camp. <laughs> I was oh, like God. give me a break. But, yeah, it's it's tough, but uh, you know we'll get we'll get through that. He's got to take a new bus. It's the school yeah, it's is like three adjustment. towns away. It's he's got to get up earlier. It's and how's like, your
0: oldest doing going back to school?
1: He does not seem to be overly uh, thrilled with the idea of uh, senior year. Yeah, I'm you know got my fingers crossed that he doesn't just uh, you know yeah. lose it. But uh, interesting, he's a smart kid, and I hope he I hope he can pull his uh, pull his shit together. I mean, is he, he's not he's not smoking pod he's not out there doing like drinking all the time he's not doing the stuff yeah. that he used to do but nor is he particularly engaged with school right so well, you got that teenage apathy it's hard uh, it's he's 17 or will be and i got, just got to push him through this final year and then we'll see yeah i don't know it's, it's exciting it's, it's yeah In some it's ways. exciting i guess Again, it just adds to the stress of the season.
0: Yeah. Uh, you talk about going to a, uh, a hairdresser. So my oldest, you know, he's got long hair. And this long hair is a direct result of COVID. Because his hair was a little too long when it happened. <clears throat> and then over COVID, you couldn't right. get No, haircuts. no haircuts. And uh, I'll never cut his hair at home again. Since when he was a baby, I clipped his ear a little bit. So now I'm totally uh, traumatized. Wow, did you take a piece it? off? Uh, no, luckily, I didn't. And there's no scar. But He um, remembers it, doesn't he? he claims he does but i don't think so it becomes family lore yeah. <laughs> so he he finally the way we got him to cut his hair is we allowed him to get a blue streak so he, oh. you know, has a little, which I'm jealous of. I wished my parents were cool enough to do something like that for me. Like get it professionally done. Like I used to go to Utopia, this head shop in <laughs> on a local town and buy Manic Panic, which is just, oh, yes. yeah, you know, and we, and my hair is dark brown, his hair is dark brown, but you could never see it really that well with the dark hair, but he got like it bleached and then they did the color and, uh. I was like, man, I'm jealous. So he, it looks pretty cool. I was a bit against the uh, the dying, but for some reason, my wife is cool with it. And uh, I just want him to be happy. He's gonna be, you know, a new year. It's sixth grade. Sixth it's a grade, big change. man. It's a big change. You know, change. Um, I guess our kids are not in the same classes, or no. Yeah. So that's another thing. Poor Ben is in. Got like nobody in his class that he knows. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the other thing is we just had a we had Hurricane Henry, and when I wrote this, this was a big deal. <laughs> what a fake! So I was taking, you know, I was doing my show notes. I was trying to prepare oh. for the show, and all of a sudden we've got this huge hurricane warning. Everybody's losing their minds. I'm like getting stressed out. My wife is stressed out. We're tying the trampoline in the backyard down. I got ropes and I got stakes. <laughs> wow! And like I felt like such a man too. I'm like I had my hammer. I had my knife. I had some rope, and I'm like, fuck, man, I'm a man man, and I'm going to go take care of this <laughs> shit right here. And and then so I'm doing it. I got my knife on my belt, and I'm nailing in the stakes, and I'm putting things away. I'm feeling really accomplished. And uh, it was a big dud. So there was no hurricane. It rained a little bit. and um, But I noticed when I was shopping for supplies at the local hardware store, I mean, people, when these tragedies, not tragedies, when these natural disasters co- are coming or announced, people go nuts. Like they're just they on it. It's almost everybody loses
1: their shit. It's almost no like reason. full moon kind of behavior. Um, I, I, one could argue that. You know, nailing down the trampoline is, is also overkill.
0: I just didn't want it to fly away, you know? It's, I don't know. I've like never, you know, my
1: my trampoline went through Sandy. It went through all these other things. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, I never staked it down.
0: For Hurricane Sandy or Superstorm Sandy, we, this is, we are, we were worried about our glass table in the backyard getting smashed. So we moved it way back, you know, to the back of our yard and I think we even flipped it over. And what happened? A tree fell on it. A tree <laughs> fell on it and it smashed.
1: <laughs> it was so fucking yeah. pissed. I, well, so your prep is, is, that's impressive. I had to go and take the boat out. Yeah, you were
0: winter or fixing yeah. your boat and Well, the
1: boat costs more than the trampoline. And if the trampoline bit. takes flight, it's only going to end up in the neighbor's yard. Well, I don't <laughs> want to deal with that. The I boat, to... I don't. it could end up in Connecticut.
0: Talk to know. my neighbors, you know. Yeah. Um, well, yeah,
1: my... <laughs> I like them. Um, so I, it sucked, but it, you know. I did get the boat out. I cleaned it, replaced the anodes.
0: Where do you, you keep know. that thing?
1: Uh, I kept it in my driveway until I realized that the bilge blower wasn't working. I just dropped it off at the dealer because it's still under warranty.
0: The bilge blowers. Yeah.
1: Anybody want to buy a boat, by the way?
0: Anyone want to buy a sports I'm, uh, store? I am
1: done with the boat. I've had oh. it.
0: Um, that reminds me too, of storm drinking and, um, people like I used to during like black, I was kind of looking forward to a blackout. Well, you know, it's funny.
1: I I read this that you put on the outline. I was reminiscing about blackouts of the past. You meant power going out, right? Yeah. What did I say? Not like Blackouts you're reminiscing about your
0: blackouts. Oh no, <laughs> no, not my alcoholic no. blackouts. Okay. Blackouts where, you know, I just, you know, when we would have the power go out, Yes, we made fun. it like a romantic, fun thing. We had a little baby and I'll never forget. I mean, of course it gets horrible and it's hot and there's all horrible things about it, but those nights where the, there's no lights, you've got candles out, you got your little baby sleeping there, you got Scrabble, a, a bottle of red wine, you know, mm. and it's just, it was just great. It was kind of a nice thing. And I am thinking like oh man but that's you know that's never going to happen again but it'll well, be, it'll happen
1: in a slightly different way
0: well yeah you yeah. just won't
1: have the bottle of red wine and right. the kids are going to be well you know, my older. wife will have
0: a bottle of red wine uh, no, and i'll probably just, not the whole bottle I'll drink my tea um yeah so it didn't happen it was a big fake out um no hurricane uh, we we actually did play Scrabble,
1: Aaron and I, for the first time in like forever. I love Scrabble. Yeah, Scrabble's, why don't we have a Scrabble party?
0: We should have a Scrabble party. Why the heck That's not, coming up. We right? could do one on Zoom with the Bunksters. Yeah. Um, I got to go see Martin Sexton. Or with our wives. Uh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm going to see James Taylor tonight. Yeah, man. And I, I went yeah, to see awesome. Martin Sexton last week. A lot of these concerts we, we did um, got rescheduled. Martin Sexton at the Stephen Talk House is a very small venue. He's one of my favorite performers. Uh, If you don't know him, look him up. Martin Sexton, uh, if you get his album called Solo, you get an idea of what he sounds like live. Um, He does a lot of records where they overproduce with bands and stuff, but he's him and his guitar... Best voice, like a a little Marvin Gaye, um, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, a little voice. uh, Very bluesy and really cool guitar work. And it was great to see him. We had such a great time. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm uh, going to see James Taylor tonight with our our cousins. Is uh, is that the James Taylor-Jackson Brown show? I don't know. It's at Jones Beach. Is Jackson Brown supposed to be there? I think so. Well, I just want to see James Taylor. You don't like Jackson Brown? I guess I do. I just, I'm not really... I don't know most of his stuff. I probably, really? there's a couple of popular tunes yeah. that I must know. He's great. Um, yeah. I looked into getting tickets for that, but I never pulled the trigger. Maybe. Yeah, it should be good. We're going to, um, tailgate, uh, with, uh, our cousins, um, Allie and TK. What's tailgating at a James Taylor concert look like? It's the same as every <laughs> concert. You go there and people get wasted. Um, for James Taylor? For anybody. <laughs> Any excuse people have to just sit in front of their cars with um, fold-out chairs and get blasted. I, um gotta I got ex- to be careful, though, at that parking lot. Yeah. I uh, In 1995,
1: I went to see... God, who did I go to see there? Somebody. Maybe it was Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And I got... I got a drinking ticket in that parking lot. There's the state troopers. They drive around looking for it. They never used to sell alcohol inside there. Now they do.
0: They do. And uh, it's like $10 a beer. I never had a tailgate experience until um, my good friend, uh, partner from the band that opens the show, he got tickets. We're also uh, heavy metal fans. We went to go see Slipknot. Um, (laughs) Steve's Taylor and Slipknot. Yeah. We were at a Slipknot show. (laughs) And this guy, he does it completely crazy. Like we got there two hours before the show. He brings a grill, a tent. He's got (laughs) uh, everything. And it's just really, and there's tons of people hanging out in the parking lot. And I wasn't drinking. At that time, uh, and it was interesting, you know. But so I've survived a Slipknot tailgate party at Jones Beach without drinking. I think I can survive one. Uh, James, James half the people Taylor. there
1: are going to have Walkers for Christ's oh, sake. James Taylor, um, You, you should. I'm bummed that we didn't go to that dead show at City Field. We'll talk more
0: about that yes. later on. But uh, I have a web wisdom. I know we're running long, but I got so much to say. Yeah, we're at 45 minutes, and we haven't really sit, talked about anything yet. Let, this is a, All right, <laughs> let's do web wisdom and move on okay. to, because uh, I know you have somewhere to be. Um, so, web wisdom. Uh, on the This Naked Mind group, coincidentally, uh, somebody oh. posted day four, ellipses. One beer, ellipses. Back to day one, ellipses. Ugh, ellipses. Um, and so what I said, so he said, back to day one, ugh, I just had a beer. I wrote... You never go back to day one. You can't unlearn or unexperience the success and learning you will forever benefit from. Mm. Studies show that over time, if you stick to it, your periods of abstinence will increase with lapses happening less and less frequently until possibly never again. These slips aren't failures. They are steps toward your goal of an alcohol-free life. So long as you keep going, don't beat yourself up keep it going. You're doing great. Smiley face. Very nice response. And it reminds me of a quote from Winston Churchill. If you're going through hell, keep going. Right. So what was the response uh, to that comment that you Uh, put down? On on that group, it was eighty twenty. Same what I was saying. People right. were like more supportive, and I'm seeing that more and more when people post, "This I failed again. I'm back to day one." You'll see a lot of more people than I used to see. So the message is getting out there, this which is great.
1: Is, uh, I, there's the in the Peloton sober group. When people post stuff like that, you get comments like, "Well, maybe you're not serious enough about your recovery. Uh, maybe right. you should, you know,
0: go back to." Um, maybe there's a place for some of that, but yeah. I don't know.
1: No, I I don't think there's a place for that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But with that, we should get on to our main topic of the day, uh, the discussion on sponsorship. Sponsor shit, you put. sponsorship. shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's sponsor shit. Okay. Uh,
1: right. So today we're going to discuss the traditional role of a sponsor in 12-step groups, and then introduce you to an evolution of the sponsorship model that Matt and I have been uh, have adapted for our own program that keeps both of us sober, along with everything else we do daily to keep Soberfied? I made up a word. That's my word. I made it up. Soberfied. Uh, It's not meant to put down the traditional sponsor role in recovery. Maybe. But uh, we feel it's an improvement and has really worked nicely in our last year of sobriety that we've spent together.
0: Yeah. I changed your last sentence. Thank you. I know. It was late. I was working on this. Um, So,
1: no, no, no. I'm going to let you talk about the history of the sponsor in 12-step because that's not really... I mean, I I put the thing down. Yeah, but. <laughs> sponsorship is
0: it's one of these interesting things in recovery. Um, it's not something that was specifically laid out in the uh, in the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous. There isn't like a chapter called sponsorship. Um, it is something that developed out of um, AA's formation and the way it was working. Um, later on, uh, there was a pamphlet uh, that is put out by AA. Um, I think it's called Hazelden Press. I can't remember the name of the publisher. but um, And they do have a pamphlet, so they do address it later. But the idea of a sponsor, it goes back to how AA was formed when it was Bill W. and Dr. Bob, um, and then the person who also saved uh, Bill, the one who first introduced Bill to sobriety. And I can't remember if that was E.B. White, or uh, my history's a little off. And, That's uh, the it's, Oxford group. Uh, e, I think, I think I'm having trouble remembering. Um, yeah. And so it's this interesting thing in the way it's been sort of twisted over the years by people in the program where it's become like it's another step and it's sort of taken on a life of its own. Um, and there may not be, it may not be great the way it has evolved is what we're going to get to.
1: Well, from what I did, the reading I did uh, for this in the history of sponsorship, uh, I learned a couple things. About AA's origins and whatnot, and and what I found very interesting was that Bill, uh, Bill's original idea was that you know an alcoholic could take a person through the steps in like an afternoon, right? You know, just do it, and then, the then you're done. That's the way they did it. Yeah. So the need for some kind of a longer term sponsor, there, there really wasn't one, right. from, from the original program, right? And and I guess this sort of developed over time. But do we have any idea what uh, what Bill or Dr. Bob thought about the evolution of the sponsorship and how it sort of t- took on an outsized role
0: in I, um, the program? I hadn't read anything. I'm sure there's there's some stuff about that, but I, I don't know that he ever spoke out against it. Um, and it seemed to be something that just went hand in hand with them. Um, with, uh, with uh, AA. And, um, and listen, I believe in a mentor for sure. So um, the history of the sponsor in 12-step. The idea of sponsorship was born in Alcoholics Anonymous, the original 12-step fellowship. Living Sober, an AA publication, describes how the term sponsor came about. In the earliest days of AA, the term sponsor was not in the AA jargon. Then a few hospitals in Akron, Ohio, and New York began to accept alcoholics under that diagnosis as patients. If a sober AA member would agree to, quote, sponsor the sick man or woman. The sponsor took the patient to the hospital, visited him or her regularly, was, it was really him, I think, at the time. Actually, Mm. there was uh, a very famous woman who was early on, uh, was present when the patient was discharged and took the patient home and then to AA meetings. At the meeting, the sponsor introduced the newcomer to other happily non-drinking alcoholics. All through the early months of recovery, the sponsor stood by, ready to answer questions or listen to whatever, uh, whenever needed. Sponsorship turned out to be such a good way to help people get established in AA that it has become a custom followed throughout the AA world, even when hospitalization is not necessary. AA defines sponsorship in this way, an alcoholic who has made some progress in in the recovery program, shares that experience on a continuous individual basis with another alcoholic who is attempting to attain and or maintain sobriety through AA. Hmm. And you have some problems with this, but ha- did you have a sponsor? Have you ever done a sponsor? <laughs> See, I've had four, so I don't know what your experience with sponsorship is. I did. I don't know. Did you did you stick any
1: of that in here from my because uh mm-hmm. I'd, I'd written I'd written an article for our website. Uh, oh, I didn't put on, the article on in. my experience with, with the sponsor that I originally had an AA. Um, yeah. Yeah. I read it. It's not in here. It was an interesting, um, cause you don't like, you're, you're well, not it's, it's not that I, I'm not, what I like is the idea of having a friend in recovery. I right. don't like the idea of some of this power imbalance that, that is inherent in the sponsorship model. Um, hold on one second. Okay. Sorry. Um, I just wanted to pull up the article because I can't remember it as well as I can by reading it. Um, okay. So, so when I, I first attempted sobriety through a 12 step program back in the nineties, right? Um, and everybody told me get a sponsor, right? Without one, you will surely relapse and die, or at the very least uh, not be able to
0: advance into the higher levels of AA. Make sure your sponsor has a sponsor and his sponsor has a sponsor.
1: I won't be able to get my chip. I won't be able to get my Thaden's you know, released or whatever else is going on in there. So, uh, the first three people I approached turned me down flat. They either didn't didn't, like it. I don't know what it was Um, already. You know, I thought I felt that was a bit of a kick in the nuts. Um, and then there was one uh, one guy who had a tie-dye on, uh, was in the meeting wearing a pair of dark shades, was like, agreed begrudgingly to sort of take me on as a sponsee. And the tie-dye gave me some hope because I was like, okay, it's a deadhead and, you know, maybe he'll understand some of where I'm coming from and so on, whatever. Um, but... Uh, he laid down some requirements. You know, I had to call every day at right. a specific time, That's right? And I always had to pick up the phone when he called, and uh, I was expected to make time for social activities with
0: him and his friends. Right? Is that normal? Because <laughs> I was like, well, okay. Yeah, um, it's not out of the normal. I mean, the sponsors I had, they weren't all that active, you know, in social settings. Every sponsor approached it differently, I found. Right. Because there's no set thing. Usually a and sponsor does what their sponsor did. Right. And it works that way. Darren lies the They'll problem. They'll say, it kept me sober, and I had to clean my sponsor's bathroom with a toothbrush every morning right. at 6 a.m. So you're going to do that. Right. Is that, I mean, it's more there's like no a set fraternity hazing mm-hmm. than it is. Uh, recovery.
1: I don't know. I mean, rather than, after a couple sponsor, days I was like, this is fucked, right? Yeah. I mean, rather than being like a companion to my recovery, uh, my sponsor was like a lunatic. <laughs> yeah, it happened. I mean, it happens. instead of working the steps, he would call me several times a day. He would try to get me to go see live music in bars and get irritated when I said I didn't think it was a good idea so early on in my recovery to be hanging out in bars. Yeah, um, yeah. And he would let you like, you're isolating. He would yell into the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, well, no, I've only been sober for two weeks, so I don't think I should be going to, you You're know. You're supposed
0: to argue with your sponsor, Mike.
1: Well, that's what he said. Listen to me. I know what's good for you. Yep. Trust me, you know. <laughs> uh, and then he fired me as a sponsee after I d- declined his request <laughs> to go see his friends, Grateful Dead cover band in some shady dive bar on the Lower East Side. Yeah. So, uh, But that you
0: know. was one. You only got one. Yeah, but, you know. Right. They're not only.
1: So the first three people I approached said no. And then right. the, the guy that agreed ended up being a lunatic. I was like, what is this fucking AA? These people are insane. <laughs> but you didn't go to a different meeting.
0: You didn't try it. I did. Sponsor, I went to pl- I went to know. plenty of other meetings, but you know what? I, you know, well, the problem is that the sponsorship model as it stands allows for this. And it, well, it's not every time because I've had four sponsors and I had basically good experiences with these guys. Um, it, it obviously didn't keep me sober, but I <laughs> great experience, right? I mean, but they were they were cool. It was nice. You know, they did some of that. I definitely had to call. There were certain expectations. Well, let me before yeah. this whole thing about you as the
1: newcomer who doesn't know your ass from your elbow, having to approach people and ask them to sponsor you—that is, fucked it should up. be
0: the other way around. One hundred percent.
1: The the people who are like who are successful in the program and who are like the most well-adjusted and well-balanced should get some sort of nod from yeah. AA or some kind of like, like credential the- or something to go sponsor p- people that, you know, yeah. cause you got all these quick and crazy people out there, you know, you have sponsors taking advantage of women, you have, sp- you know, yeah. sponsors like running their ego trips on people, you know, power trips. I mean, <laughs> take you through the steps if that's what your thing is and that's it don't like become like some kind of fucking oracle or you know
0: yeah i I mean and, and there there's listen i i had good experiences with most of my sponsors i mean but it was it did feel a little out of whack now i needed guidance that's for sure yeah um and you know one guy who kind of had been through it could help me like point out, you know, where the bathroom is at the meeting and, you know, the type of things we do. Like I used to take the garbage out after every meeting that was Mm -hmm. my job. Um, And, uh, and they're supposed to take you through the steps and show you the program. Now, um, that's great when it happens that way. And um, like I said, I had great sponsors. They took me to meetings, you know, if I wanted to participate in going to the, uh, to the, Um, diner afterwards. They were happy to do it, but I didn't have, but I heard stories all the time of insane sponsors. And I think it's because of the way the model is sort of accepted and the way it stands as of right now just allows for this kind of abuse. Anytime you put someone in a position of of power over somebody else, especially
1: someone who is, who has, who's coming out of uh, an addiction situation, they're very unsure of themselves. They, they're, they're like a lamb. And they put
0: themselves in a position of like your therapist or uh, somebody with that is credentialed and that has yes, but they're
1: untrained, unqualified. Yeah, Uh, um,
0: but probably suffering from their own unaddressed mental health issues. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a difference between seeing a personal trainer to work out and then you have a workout buddy. Um, Imagine if like your personal trainer was like, (laughs) yeah, that's I've seen that. (laughs) You know, three hundred
1: pounds. Once in a a while,
0: (laughs) I see that at the gym, and I'm like, what? How? (laughs) You never mind. You know, that must not. (laughs)
1: be good for business. I mean, you know, and I alluded to that 13th step stuff, you know, male sponsors
0: preying on female newcomers and... Yeah, and you have problems with sponsorship. And what, what Mike did is he he wrote some some bullet points about his problems with it, and I sort of made some retorts. Uh, and said the first thing that you wrote about, you wrote problems with the traditional model. Mm-hmm. And one of the, your first problems you, you list is that the sponsor could relapse back into their addiction. This happens all the time. And the sponsor can be devastated by this event, and it could possibly put their recovery in jeopardy. Even when people have been sober for many years, they can still relapse. Even when the person externally appears to have strong sobriety, the sponsor may feel very let down and disillusioned. Yes, And it could bring into question all that the sponsor has told them about the program they endorsed. Now, um, that is very true. And I heard about this. When your sponsor goes out, then what? If he couldn't do it, how the hell can I do it? And part of that is because... If you're in a situation, you're deifying in some ways this person in sobriety, and it is important that you remember. They used to tell me whenever my sponsor thought I was thinking too highly of them, and I had very good sponsors. They would say, "Remember where you met me." Oh, that's that, good. You know, and um, and I thought that that was a gr- great you know way to look at it because a mentor is great, but you know to realize they are they are fallible and they are. Twelve inches, they would say, like you know, the table to your mouth with a um, with a can of beer. That they're all that far from relapse.
1: Well, and perhaps some of the other problem is, you know, the the way that AA treats relapse. Um, Yeah, you know, because if you look at it as such a colossal failure of recovery and a failure to, you know, be successful in in recovery, uh, and you got to go back and start at day one, then of course, if your sponsor fucks up, you're going to look at them as though they have no wisdom to share with you but if if you if you recontextualize relapse as you know field research or learning experience then the fact that your sponsor goes out and then comes back should be
0: yeah, uh, shouldn't be as big of a deal, right? The, the big thing is okay, you you slipped. How do we move forward? Right. What do we need to change? It's almost like, you know, if you're looking for a hole in something, you pour water into it to see where the water comes out. Um so you want to see where there's holes in your recovery and okay, by relapsing, oh, there's a hole in my recovery. Um right. what do I need to do differently? And so if there could be this uh, more of an attitude of Oh, you fell. I'm picking you up. We're doing this together. Um, uh, we're doing it together. Now we're on to something. Sometimes I bring you up. Sometimes you bring me up. It's a lot like um, my marriage, you know. Um, when when I'm depressed, my wife tries to help me out. When she's feeling crazy and down, I try and be calm. You know, when we're both out of it and crazy, <laughs> that's a bad day. Yeah, that's a bad day. But um, you know, we thought that having more of a workout buddy or a diving buddy model for sponsorship um, would be a lot more efficacious uh, for recovery.
1: Right. I mean, maybe the answer isn't to look for a recovery mentor, although that relationship certainly has its place. I think there has to be a mentor at first or something. Well, a structure. Right. Which is where a program comes in. Right. Uh, This naked mind, AA, whatever. But... uh, but maybe you want to seek out a partner, right, in recovery. Like you said, somebody who's gone through the basic training and how to maintain sobriety.
0: Even if you're both reading the book at the same time. Maybe you and a friend you both want to think about getting sober. You know, you both go together to your first meeting of SMART Recovery, of AA, of NA, of mm. this Naked Mind. Maybe you read the book, maybe you do a dopey Zoom meeting together. Right. Start your podcast. And you have a unified text or something that you can both aspire to learn to do. Uh, you know, and then you support each other uh, in your progress. It's analogous to, I, I, I like the analogy of the buddy system in scuba diving
1: as a scuba diver. I, you know, Relate to that, um, and scuba dive, for those that you don't who don't know. in scuba, you never dive without a buddy, uh, and the expectation is that your buddy has the same basic level of training as you. He may have more training than you, or he may have less. But everyone who straps a tank on and jumps off a boat has a certain uh, base level of training about what to do in an emergency. So, in a, in a real sense, as in a recovery relationship, you're putting your life in your buddy's hands because he's the one you turn to if things go south, and he in turn will will come to you if he runs into a problem. So if you apply that analogy to the issue of sponsors, it, it makes perfect sense to me. I mean, you find another recovering addict or alcoholic, you help each other maintain sobriety. Sopriety. Supri- Sopriety. Um, and you and I were talking about this. We decided that the term that we would use is tandem sponsoring. Yes. Huh. So um, no power traps, no abusive relationships, just one addict helping another person to person. Um,
0: Yeah, like a scuba buddy, like a workout buddy. You and I have that
1: relationship. If one of us is having a bad day, we're having an urge, we reach out to one another, send a text, you know, make a call check in on a daily basis, make sure everything's okay. I mean, I think it's been working pretty good for us.
0: It has, and and it's important that because I, I can hear the uh, the retort to this. It's like the blind leading the blind, and two people with, with no center of gravity will fly off the earth into a black hole and one into the sun. Um, but that's why I think there is definitely a place for a mentor or a program text, something you can both uh, hold on to and study together. Yeah. Um, and, and, but you're on an equal footing, you're supporting each other you're checking on each other. And when somebody falls down, somebody, you pick that person up and vice versa. Um, right now, uh, one of the interesting points, and I know we're running long, but, um, and we're going to do a series on this. We're going to have Aaron Moore, uh, come on and talk about sponsorship. Uh, we're going to lay out our tandem sponsor program, uh, on another, sh- on an upcoming show, right. uh, because we are working at the details cause we think it worked so great for us. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, I came from a world of working with sponsors. And so I've sussed out, you know, the things that I think are working good for me right now. And I think it could be helpful if we laid it out for people just, just so it's another tool I think that could be uh, right out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, before, before we move on to recovering the news and, and finish this, um, this part of the sponsorship series, I thought uh, a really important point I wanted to bring up was you mentioned in the outline that some sponsors and some versions of AA are against uh, medical uh, intervention, like completely. And they're telling people to come off of their psych meds. Mm. And you may say, there's no way anyone would do that. Um, That's ridiculous. Well... Uh, there's a very famous um, instance of this. Uh, Ray Brown, the great Ray Brown from the Dopey Nation, famously, he would come on the Dopey and he got this new sponsor. Uh, and uh, he had his fundamentalist sponsor that required him. He said, you know, you can't, I think it was, you can't work on the steps until you get off these segments. God help. Me. And he was a stickler. And, you know, Ray, of course, being in a scenario where he was desperate to get sober, he would do anything. And he's got this guy who's... His sponsor and he's like this big man on the hill, and he's like, "You need to come off of your psych meds." And Ray was in such a place where he he's like, "Yeah, okay," and he did. Ultimately, it was a bad idea. Yeah,
1: no um, shit.
0: You know, nobody, not a sponsor, not a chair of a meeting, should be telling you what medication you should be taking. Right. Um, even when I re- tell you what I took. I'm saying it from the perspective of I am not a doctor. Here's what you my, went to a doctor, right?
1: Your this doctor is, told you what to take. Would I say, not some fucking
0: guy right. in a church basement is telling you what to take or not to take? All the information I have on MAT came from either my doctor, mostly, and my research. But I would never presume to tell somebody you shouldn't be on that or you shouldn't be on. that. And I know it gets hairy with things like Adderall, ADD, right, and um, people with chronic pain who require some level of pain management. Um, but that should not be a position that uh, a guy you meet in AA is in. And that is highly irresponsible. And I am very much against um, people playing doctor.
1: Yes. Um.
0: And that sort of thing.
1: Unless that's like between two consenting adults. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um,
0: in any case, I right. think we're going to close out uh, part one of our sponsorship episode uh, right there. We've got a lot more to talk about. We're going to talk about the 13-step problem. There's, mm. a great, uh, there's a great documentary about that and how it's endemic and how to avoid it. And uh, we're going to talk keep about- it <laughs> Keep it in your pants. Keep it in your pants. We're going to talk about our tandem sponsor program. All right. Uh, hopefully we'll have some materials that people can reference if they're interested in doing it. Uh, and then the great Erin Moore will come on either next week or the following to discuss her experience with sponsorship. Far and, out, man! Yes, sounds and, great. And with that, we are moving on to recovering the news. Yeah. Yeah. All right. recovery.
1: You got to do that scat thing uh, on your next album.
0: Scabada da 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 doz. da da Yeah.
2: So,
1: recovery in the news this week comes from uh, the Dead and Company tour. We have a story, uh, tragic story, unfortunately. What you're listening to right now is the uh August uh, 21st performance of Dead and Company featuring John Mayer among other more weighty musicians at uh John C- Mayer was there? John Mayer is the new Jerry. I didn't know that. I don't pay attention to these things. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, he's been in that st- I forgive me, Deadhead listeners yes, please. for saying that he's the new Jerry. Yeah, that was <laughs> I bad. did not mean that. No. Uh, and I and I don't believe that. He is um uh, he has assumed the role of the lead guitar player in Dead and Company which is a band made up of for those of you that don't know original uh, Grateful Dead rhythm guitarist Bob Weir uh, and the two original Grateful Dead drummers Mickey Hart and Bill Kreutzmann uh, along with Jeff Chimenti and Oteil Burbridge rounding out the rest of the wow group do you- <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> um <laughs> So, uh, they are on tour this summer, and they played a, a show at City Field about a week ago, which um, was an interesting show. But uh, the thing that makes it newsworthy is unfortunately, there was a death at that show. And um, so, from the New York com uh, and other media outlets, the story is Liquor Company CEO identified as man who fell to his death at City Field. Uh, a liquor company CEO has been identified as the man who was allegedly high on acid when he plummeted to his death at City Field, police said. Oh. Ian Matthew Crystal died Friday after falling 30 to 50 feet during intermission at the Dead and Company show, uh, an NYPD spokesman confirmed Monday. The 46 year old Brooklyn resident was co founder of the New York based Evolution Spirits, uh, according to his LinkedIn page. Sources said that he allegedly took acid before the fatal plunge and was drinking and smoking pot beforehand. Yeah. That'll do it. Um, the liquor... Okay, he was the CEO of Evolution Spirits and the creator of Monkey Rum from Trinidad, which is available in 11 states. The liquor was developed out of a challenge in 2014 to create a new brand to support the National Geographic Channel show, Chug. Chug. Have you heard of this show? No,
0: but I can imagine what it's about.
1: I guess it's liquor around
0: the world. Yeah. It's, sort of <laughs> it's like Anthony Bourdain with liquor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but
0: he actually did a lot. Very, up.
1: very sad story. I mean this this guy was uh, uh, he was a professional beverage marketer, and I guess he went through Absolute Vodka, Malibu Rum, and Stoli Vodka. He marketed those things, apparently drinking them as well. Um, is you know, I mean, apparently from what I heard, the guy was um, he tried to do a flip um, on the balcony, you like know? right near the rail. That City Field where the Mets play in quotes we'll say. Well, play. whatever they do there. <laughs> There's not much baseball going on Oof. there. Um, did the flip missed and uh fell?
0: And uh what was he flipping like what why would you flip near the edge of a cause you're on acid drunk and high?
1: You know, I would People are going to blame the acid because, like, that's what you do, right? You take acid and you jump out of windows. Oh, that fly. was that was the whole thing. But which yeah. you know was proven to be bullshit back in the sixties. But I mean, granted, he was not taking psychedelics in a controlled environment. He <laughs> no. okay? was not. Yeah, uh, there was no shaman there. This, when Jerry was alive, there was. <laughs> was but not today. Uh, you know, if you got to blame something, I mean, to me, this the alcohol happens. seems like the, the None judgment. None of it
0: happens without, uh, without right. getting drunk, I don't think. Right. I mean, maybe pot plus acid equals flip off a balcony. I don't think so. I don't know. No, We'll never know. We'll never know. I
1: mean, I've been on pot... On pot. Been been, on pot You been, <laughs> are 52 years old wow. <laughs> and acid at the same time. And i it's never occurred to me to do a flip off about near the
0: edge of a balcony. Oh, but. I mean, I can't do a flip sober. Maybe he can do a flip and it's tragic. And you know, what a tragedy it really is. You we don't need to, to make light of it, but it's crazy.
1: Younger guy, not, not married, no kids, but you know, a family that loved yeah. him. And you know, there's another, another death, a needless death caused by alcohol. Alcohol,
0: you're just abuse, just uh, out of control behavior brought on by uh, the Grateful Dead and its remnants.
1: (laughs) There's so many people who are sober at Grateful Dead shows Mm, now. So many,
0: yeah. They're all sober.
1: I made. uh, He's probably the only one smoking pot, (laughs) doing acid. Actually, (laughs) he was it. Well, when you look down, you know they they do the crowd (laughs) shots, right? And I was so I was watching this on the on the stream. Everybody in the front row who can afford to pay. However much money those tickets are now thousand thousands. They were thousands drinking kombucha, of dollars
2: right?
1: Uh no, they but they were all like um you know, mid 40s to mid 80s. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cuz you can afford the tickets, you know. Right. And, 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 but I, you know, I I there there are there is a lot of drug use and drinking that goes on at grateful dead shows. I would imagine you're going to see some some drug use and drinking going on at the James Taylor show tonight. Yeah. You know, um the dead for whatever in a reason seem to have that reputation. I mean, they came out of the crucible of psychedelia in the late sixties. Oh, I can't
0: imagine what the reason is that people would misrepresent the Grateful Deads shows as being listen, drug
1: there, dens. Bob, Bob Weir did an interview a couple of years ago and yeah. he's, he said, people come to us and they're really, they're into it for the drugs. And I think the people who come to us for the drugs have missed what we're all about.
0: Yeah. He's right. He's right. And then they they do this with fish. And anytime there's one of these jam bands that picks four chords and repeats them incessantly and endlessly, I wouldn't know who you were talking about there. (laughs) I mean, I would be getting high too, you know, (laughs) same thing with the EDM music, people who go to these raves. If you're not high on Molly, you're not enjoying that music. I've tried.
1: Listen, I've been listening to the dead my entire adult life. And they sound, if anything, they sound better to me that now that I'm not high. I,
0: I like I like The Dead. I've been trying to listen to it since I met you.
1: Well, trying, thank to, you. trying to
0: get a window into your soul, buddy. I think know, what we need in. to do is sit down with a couple of guitars and and jam out yeah. on
1: on Scarlet Pagonias and Fire on the Mountain for 45 minutes. Oh, I can
0: play Fire on the Mountain. It's an yeah. easy one. It's so two chords. You, exactly. <laughs> so you show me a couple of Dead tunes and we'll we'll jam them out and have some fun. I, I've been playing guitar lately so my fingers are in good shape. And I have not, so my fingers are
1: in bad All right, work shape. But on we're going to do it. Anyway, on that thing uh, condolences to the, to the family of this uh, young guy and yeah. you know I don't know kids don't don't drink take acid smoke pot and do flips near balconies recovering the news you know I forgot to mention one thing I uh spoke to a friend of mine Johnny Irish who you know the uh, I've spoken about him before he's May come on the show and oh. do an interview. But anyway, he was at the Dead & Company show up in Woodstock. They did a, a, a show at the original site of the Woodstock Festival the other day. And um, I had mentioned to him before he went up there, because he asked me if I wanted to go, and I said I couldn't. I said, but I really want to get in touch with uh, Warren Frank, who was like one of the founders of the Warfrats, mm. because we wanted to do an episode on that would be cool. subcultures, so, sobriety subcultures. Be really cool. So he reached out to the Warfrats on our behalf, and one of them agreed to come on no kidding yeah. so wow that, that's going to be a that's going to be good you so guys can for geek all you out. you deadheads out there who who want more great want us to talk about the grateful dead even more even more uh stay tuned stay tuned and now it's time for uh, the week and weird. weird
0: second bigfoot sighting yes. in two months reported in ohio county by who Tim Timbanaugh. Back to Bigfoot. I had missed the Bigfoot. Yeah. For the second time in just two months, an intriguing Bigfoot sighting has been reported in an Ohio county, suggesting that the famed cryptid may have something of a presence there. The initial sighting occurred back in late April, when a woman in Ashland County claimed to have spotted a seven-foot-tall creature covered in gray fur and lurking at the periphery of a parking lot at a 24-hour <laughs> gym. <laughs> and now, just a few weeks later and a handful of miles away, something resembling a Sasquatch Watch was reportedly once again seen by a bewildered witness. My favorite kind of witness is a bewildered witness. Yeah. According to an unnamed individual, the sighting took place on his property in a rural part of Ashland County back on June 9th, shortly after an afternoon rainstorm. The man said about mowing his lawn when he noticed an inordinately tall figure seemingly dressed all in black and moving along a tree line on his property. The sighting lasted approximately 90 seconds before the eerie visitor disappeared into the trees. Stunned by what he was seeing, the man recalled that, quote, the whole time I was thinking no one's going to believe me. Due to the
2: figure's
0: appearance, the remote location where it was seen in the circumstances prior to the sighting, the witness was left scratching his head when it came to identifying the oddity. Quote, who was a bit out after that pouring rain dressed in all black yes the man spent the new the new few weeks the next few weeks mulling over his experience which weighed on he him spent heavily. a few weeks a few weeks mulling <laughs> over his experience quote i have tried to explain it away but i can't he you sound like bill clinton in all the years i have lived here i have never seen anything like it um yeah, and there's a lot more of this article. The man, wait,
1: I'm sorry. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do You're the gonna next read one. Okay. The man even went so far as to st- stage a reenactment with his son, who stands nearly six foot tall, which led him to the realization that what he had seen was probably not a person. Since no the creature in question was My far son bigger than himself. My son is <laughs> huge. Caleb, would you stand over there on the ridgeline and move your arms in a slow swinging manner? Uh, <laughs> So after all, after his reenactment, he decided to uh, report this to the Bigfoot Field Research Organization, <laughs> otherwise the, known
0: as the BRFO, <laughs> uh,
1: which indi- which investigated his account and then indicated that it could have been a genuine
0: Sasquatch sighting. Yeah. Wow,
1: huh? Wonder yeah. if it's the same creature.
0: I-, I think Sasquatch is making his rounds. Speaking of. Drinking,
1: taking acid, and smoking Mm. pot. Maybe they should lay off that stuff down in the holler
0: a little bit. I love you. You smell like the inside of my mama's purse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: shit. We're just having too
0: good a time today. But that was what? this week oh yeah right
1: That's- thank you.
0: you gotta keep bringing the bigfoot bring the yeah, bigfoot bring the bigfoot well that about does it for today we had a great time as always thank you so much for listening visit us at middleagesrecovery.com. find us on podbean apple Podcasts, facebook instagram spotify youtube and twitter so tweet us at watch you twit support your favorite tro drop a five-star review join our private facebook group buy a t-shirt or Or, two or two or a sticker and simply write and say hello we love meeting new monsters and chopping it up on the facebook group (laughs) mike always loves that one don't forget to listen to the annie grace uh episode featuring our very own um Mike Mark R. Mike Mark. And uh, finally, the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. Please, please, if you get something out of our little show, share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non proficiet perfecto. Progress. Progress. Not perfection. See you next time. Good.